Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. This report brought to you by Tom Goodchild's Moose Factory. Treat your mom to the evening Mother's Day buffet. Enjoy a feast of hot entrees and gourmet desserts no mom can resist. Reserve online at themoosefactory.ca. Back to McDavid, who earlier tonight scored his 30th. One-timer cleft bomb, rebound, score! Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick. And it's unnatural, Hattie! The steal by Connor McDavid, 99. Points. Looking to make it 100. Over the line. Dishes off. Factor score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. If you're like most people I've talked to today, you're already nervous for a game that will start in about 26 hours. It's going to be fun. Game 7, Oilers and Ducks. You'll hear it right here on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show at 6 tomorrow. The game will start at 8. The Oilers' first Game 7 since the 2006 Stanley Cup Final. They have played nine Game 7s in their history. They have won six of them. And Captain Connor McDavid with his approach. Stay even keel. It doesn't really matter what's going on in the game. You know, they proved that uh, you can come back from just about anything. And you know, we've come back from situations as well. So you, know, you can't get too high on yourself. can't get too low. Um, you just got to stay with it. Uh, you know, stay even keel. Game 7 is going to be high emotion. Um, a lot of different things going on. And, uh, it's important everyone just stays focused at uh, the task at hand. There's Connor McDavid ready to rock and roll tomorrow against the Ducks. The Oilers practiced this morning and then flew to Anaheim. It'll be a doubleheader of Game 7s tomorrow night. Penguins and Capitals also ready to face off as the Caps with a convincing 5-2 victory last night. Nashville has already advanced to the West Final. Ottawa trying to do the same in the East tonight in New York. Up along the boards, here's Hoffman in behind the net. Hoffman in behind the goal, deals it off to MacArthur. MacArthur, Carlson, his shot, tipped in front, scores! Puck is redirected in front by Hoffman, 1-0 Ottawa. Hoffman's fourth of the playoffs, and Mark Stone has just scored. So the Senators up 2-0 against the Rangers, 5-16 left in the first period. Ottawa up 3-2 in the series, so they are trying to move on. We'll keep you updated on that game throughout the show. And now there's a coach's challenge. Kellen Kennedy watching on the other side of the window. I, I'm mm. assuming this is for offside. I didn't uh, see I any goal so, interference. Yeah. I was, uh, and the puck was clearly they made the call, but I would assume that's the only thing that they're going for on this all play. Right. So we, we all love the coach's challenge for offside. Well, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I can only tell you what I yeah, think. Yeah, here, here's a comparison and right now on the line. That's probably going to be disallowed because it's one of those where... The player's skate was above the blue line, but it appears to be off the... Well, 
Uh, well, you can't tell, actually. No, Which he means it probably will he count. Might be, I think it'll count. <laughs> yeah. I don't see how they can overturn it based on that evidence. Well, but then again, who knows? Give it is the mixed bag. Separate. That is NHL officiating. It is. <laughs> well, and that's and that's one of those where it's so close. So the, his the the others the skater on the other side, his lead foot was well over the blue line, um, but he's trying to drag that rear foot and stay on side. Now, if his foot's in the air, he's offside. If it's if his foot is still touching the blue line when the puck crosses, he's onside. And I don't think. I think that's going to stand. Yeah, I think, well, here's the announcement. Big moment here in this game. Yeah, it does stand. It's a goal. So it is, yeah. it is 2 nothing Ottawa. And I think that's that's the right call because at, at best the replay was inconclusive and it may have actually proven that it was on site. So anyway, a little bit of video review drama in, uh, in that game. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You can get me at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I have a sentence for you that I would like you to complete, and you can either give me a quick phone call or you can text into 630-630. The Oilers win tomorrow if. That's it, and you got to fill that in. The Oilers win tomorrow if. 780-496-0063, or you can text 630-630. I can tell you that Oscar Clefbaum is expected to play tomorrow night, which means Griffin Reinhardt would come out of the lineup. Eric Greiba would stay in. Clefbaum did practice today. He looked fine. He was back on the first power play unit. Matt Benning was on the second power play unit, and uh, he was actually on the first unit on uh, on Sunday night and got an assist on the Mark Letestu goal. So Benning would be on the second power play unit. And I was uh, talking to Benning today about the adjustments they had to make on defense on Sunday with two guys being out. I think it was exciting. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's going to be tough when you lose two defensemen like Esker uh, and and Clef because so, they log a lot of minutes and they're important to this team. But uh, I think for Nursey and, and Lars and, and all the guys that were in, um, uh, Russell, I, I think it was an opportunity just to handle some more minutes, and I think that we did a good job. And uh, credit to uh, Grimes and um, Griff, they, they came in and played really well. You're on the power play, which I know is a responsibility you've had at other points in your in your career, and, and, and a couple times during the regular season. But I mean, you made a great pass to Latestu there. Was it pretty comfortable for you stepping in with the man advantage? Yeah, I mean, the when when you're on the ice, the, the caliber of players that we have in our power play it's it's more so just getting in the positions and then um, in that situation it was just a read but uh, um, I mean the whole year you, you can, you've been want, you watch our, our power play um, um, in some some cases in practice I took some reps and things like that and I've always been sitting in on the meetings um, so uh, for me it's it's it was kind of uh, an easy transition to step in there and those those guys are so good that they they make passes to you and you have time with the puck so it's uh, it, 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 I, I, I felt good out there and uh, I, I think that uh, those guys did a good job on, on uh, being available for me on the on the point or on the flanks or whatever it was so it was uh, it was good now you would have experience in college and probably best of threes or even single game elimination yeah for 
Yeah, so the first couple series, it's best of three, and then uh, once you get into the, in, uh, after that, I think it's the first two series, it's best of three, and then after that, it's kind of single game elimination. You're already into the hockey semifinals and finals, and then if you win that, then you go to the, um, the tournament. So I think uh, for, for the game on Wednesday, I think that uh, uh, I've had experience with that with single game eliminations, and you just got to treat it like it, uh, it was last game and it's do or die for both teams now. All right, that's Matt Benning, who I think uh, has been pretty fun to watch for most of you throughout this season. It's 6-13, so I put out the question, the Oilers win tomorrow if... A lot of sarcastic sallies out there saying if they score more goals than Anaheim. Yes, I was looking for something a little deeper than that. Uh, Brock says they win if they score first. Dodd says if they play 60 minutes, not 57. Tanya says they got to stay out of the penalty box. Boris says if Gibson has a basketball game. <laughs> I assume that means he... Uh, Allows two goals at a time. I don't know. Uh, Leanne says the Oilers win if they hit. I'll keep getting to your text. We have Chris on line one. Chris, the Oilers win tomorrow if. Uh, Pouliot, Evs, or Newt scores a goal. You know what? I have got a few of those on the text line already. Man, it would be nice to see that. Now, what are your thoughts on that line? Because I, I actually I think Newt just had a decent playoff. He leads the team in shots. Uh, Everly has not had a great series overall. Pouliot's last two games I actually thought were okay. No, I agree totally with you. Uh, the last game they were getting chances, and hopefully they put one away. I was listening to uh, Jason Strudwick earlier on the 1260 program, and he was saying just shovel it in there, just attack the net, and hopefully a couple bounces this way or that way it goes in. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Joanne on line two. Joanne, the Oilers win tomorrow if? They keep checking hard. Well, that's been a key for them throughout the season, right? they got to limit what the Ducks can do and get in on their defense. Who do you think can be the hero tomorrow? Um, McDavid. Okay, good call. Joanne, thanks a lot for calling. 780-496-0063. Angry Uncle Helen. That's quite a handle. On the text line says, The Oilers win if they push the play and not wait for the play to come to them. Darcy says they got to play physical. This texter says they got to stay out of the penalty box and fire on eight cylinders. The Big L says the Oilers win tomorrow if Nugent Hopkins scores. Yeah, a few people saying if that if that line gets a goal, uh, that'll be big. Another texter says Talbot needs to be on his game. They need to continue hitting and finishing their checks like last game. It also wouldn't ha- hurt to have Connor and Ebbs create some offense. Randy on line three. What do you think, Randy? I think uh, if they get off to a good start and they keep pushing the play and they don't back off if they get the lead. When they back off and Anaheim comes back, that's when the others have trouble. They got to keep the foot on the gas for the entire game. Yeah, and you, and you know Anaheim's gonna gonna respond to what happened last game, but the Oilers got to stay involved, right? They, I mean, you know yep. Anaheim's gonna push; they're gonna get chances, but the Oilers can't get passive, and they got a little passive late in that game in Game Five, right? And they were determined not because the first two periods of Game Six have they played better since two thousand and six? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, and and one of the reasons was they didn't take their foot off the gas. But this time, they got to keep the skates on their throats. Right on. 
Good. Okay. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate it. All right. It's 616. You can keep the texts and calls coming. Rob Brown's going to weigh in on the game. We'll hear from Kelly Rudy as well. Rob Brown back off the disabled list. Was he ever... uh, he was totally voiceless on Sunday. I think he can talk tonight. We also have some comments from Zach Cassie and Todd McClellan. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Had some thoughts there from Matt Benning. Todd McClellan had this compliment for Benning's play today. Tremendous. Um young fellow that's uh, learned a lot this season not only about the game and how to play the position he was very good at that to begin with but just the uh, the ups and downs of a long year um, you know we're into May now and uh, my son played in uh, in the finals college finals this year he's been done for over a month now that's how long the season is that's how many games we play um, it's a big adjustment for anybody that hasn't experienced it. And uh, both Drake and uh, and Matt are doing a tremendous job of it. Yeah, Drake Kajula and Matthew Benning in the NCAA last season. They've both been key members of the Oilers uh, really all year long. Kajula's done well over the last few games in the playoffs. Benning stepped up. You know, he's only been playing... If you take out the overtime games, he's basically been between 13 and 16 minutes of uh, ice time in the playoffs, stepped up, played over 23 minutes in uh, Game 6 on Sunday, and I mentioned he got the assist with the nice pass to Mark Latestu. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. This texter says they got a play like uh, overtime game five against San Jose. They played similar, but Jones made some crazy saves. If they play like that, they have a pretty good chance to compete with anybody. Todd says for the Oilers to win tomorrow, they have to clear the D zone on the first attempt, less turnovers. Well, that's a good point. And when the Ducks have played well in this series, they've been able to transition the puck quickly, right? And their D's pretty good at doing that. Um, so the Oilers' D has to be able to handle that as well. And, and I think from an Oilers' perspective, on one thing they focused on the last couple of games is their dump-ins. Get it into the corner away from Gibson so he can't handle it, and then get it, get in there hard on the D to try to delay their breakout. Sam says the Oilers win if Lucic gets angry. <laughs> uh, I thought Lucic had a pretty good game on Sunday. Well, everybody did on Sunday. John in Fort McMurray says, let's be perfectly honest, if the refs call a fair, balanced, and consistent game, the Oilers win without a doubt. We are the better team. And I also have to read you a text I got from my mother who said, the Oilers win tomorrow if the refs call all the penalties Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler deserve. <laughs> I honestly think my 72-year-old mother, if she saw Ryan Kessler in public, I think she would punch him in the face. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I will say this. I, I, I mean, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, desire and effort separating people in the playoffs. I think if you put my mom on the ice for one shift against Ryan Kessler, well, I'm not saying a whole game. Right. But one shift and my mom had to win a puck battle against Ryan Kessler, I think she would win it. That's how much yeah. desire and anger she would have. I'm, I'm not saying over the course of a game. I'm saying one puck battle against Ryan Kessler she would win it. That's all I'm saying. 72 years old. Mother's Day is... No, I'm not Sunday? saying she wouldn't draw a penalty in the, pro- <laughs> in the process, though. 
But I'm saying she'd come out with the puck. Legally, I don't know. I was just asking, Mother's Day is there, what, this there Sunday? might be some elbows involved. <laughs> uh, got it. Was this Darcy the Texan? Darcy raised an interesting point here. Uh, in, in, in this series, when Connor McDavid gets a point or more, the Oilers are 1-3. and three. When he's held off the score sheet, they're 2-0. and oh. Having said that, I'd like to see Connor... <laughs> On the score sheet tomorrow, hopefully multiple times. All right. Uh, Allen says, if Zach Cassian scores, the Oilers win. Well, Cassian scored in the last game, and you probably have seen the video. He had that awesome celebration with that fan through the glass. Spur of the moment, emotional game, obviously scoring a goal. Um, you just kind of let out a scream. He's looking at you, you're looking at him. Just the way that, that I was skating, I ended up face first into the glass. And for some reason, I didn't turn around and locked eyes with him. I, for some reason, I can't explain why I did it. It just so happened like that. Well, I'm just trying to work hard every day. Obviously, the moment I got traded here, I was uh, a little uneven. I wasn't sure how fans were going to respond, obviously, with me uh, um, playing in Vancouver and having some hatred here. But um, I just wanted to bring my hard work and, and tenacious game. And uh, I knew in a, bl- a blue-collar city like this that um, hopefully went over fans eventually. Looking up and seeing all the orange. I mean, I, I, I knew like fans are passionate, but I was surprised how quickly they adopted that color. I mean, pretty much everybody has it on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's just not in the arena. You look around the city, the flags on cars and uh, outside of people's homes. Um, the city has embraced this playoff run, and um, that gives us extra motivation to go to Anaheim and, and get to the next round. For, for not only ourselves, um, but, but for the people of Edmonton and, and the fans. When was your last Game 7? Do you remember? Yeah, the semifinals, Memorial Cup. We are down 0-3 to Kitchener, and we came back, forced 7, and we won. What's the balance between treating it like every other game, but it's also a Game 7, so you know it's not any other game, right? Yeah, well, you, you treat it like every other game. You prepare the same way, but you know it's do or die. You, uh, you go out, you work hard, um, you play with structure, and whatever happens, happens. But you definitely don't want any regrets after this game. It'd be a long summer. So um, that's the way we're taking it. We're taking it as another game, but we're we're going to empty the tanks here. We want to win just as bad as they do, and uh, it's going to be two teams going at it. So um, it's going to be a fun environment, and hopefully we can get away with it. That's Zach Cassian. Yeah, that was in the Ontario Hockey League semifinals in 2010. His Windsor team was down 3-0 to Kitchener. They rallied to win the series in seven games. We'll have a little more from uh, Todd McClellan as we move along through the show. Rob Brown's going to join us next. Kelly Rudy tonight as well. Ottawa up 2-0 on the Rangers after the first period. Inside Sports on Oilers Playoff Radio, 6.30, Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Mark Letestu coming off a four-point game. The Oilers beat Anaheim 7-1 on Sunday. They flew to Anaheim today, game seven tomorrow night. Six o'clock face-off show, eight o'clock for the drop of the puck here on 630 Chet. Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer will have the call. Rob Brown and I will be heard on the face-off show and, of course, on overtime open line. 
2-0 Ottawa leading the Rangers after the first period. Hoffman and Stone with the goals as they try to close out that series. The Indians lead the Blue Jays 2-0 that game in the top of the sixth. Uh, I got a text here from the Fizzler who says, uh, Hey, Reed, I heard Ilya Kovalchuk might be back to the NHL. Do you think the Oilers will have any interest? I don't know about that. And I think, uh, wasn't there a rumor out there that Kovalchuk wants to stay? He either wants to play with the Rangers, Islanders, or Panthers or something. If he's going to come back, I don't know if uh, I don't know if the Oilers want to want to go down that road, given that player uh, player's history. I'm sure he can still play, but uh, but we'll see about that. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, Rob Brown here. Rob, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good tonight. Reed, how are you? I'm glad your voice is back. Jeez, <laughs> oh man, my. you you were in awful shape on Sunday. I got to say, I I was, and it was it was sad because it's such an exciting game. There's so many great things we could have talked about, and instead, I just got to sit there mute up in the press box and watch. But I'm back and ready for Game Seven. You were on the DL. Uh, you had a prior commitment for Games Four and Five, so we're we're reunited tomorrow night, and we're going to do it from the rink. We're going to do it from the Orange Crush watch party which sold out in two minutes today to, st- to see a road game. <laughs> that is unbelievable. But it just shows you the passion in this city right now and the excitement in this city for the Oilers. So uh, it's going to be a party there tomorrow night. Hopefully it'll be a party with a happy ending and the start of the next road for the Edmonton Oilers in round three. You know, I, I put out something in the first half hour of the show. I just said for people, send me a text or give me a call. Uh, the Oilers win if I love this. I wish this person would assign his or her, her, her his or her name. The Oilers win if they make Ki- Kessler kiss the board so often he thinks they are married. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that is true. I, I mean, one of the things that the Oilers did uh, early in Game Six was physicality, and they bullied the Anaheim Ducks. And they created chances off of the physicality. And, and I think that was one of the big things that set the tone in that game. You know, because I'm, I'm sure Anaheim came in here feeling, you know what, the Oilers just blew the lead. The, the, the plays are getting, the calls are getting going against them. Uh, there's frustration. There's disappointment. We can take advantage of them early. And it was the opposite. And the team that was more desperate was the team that won the hockey game. And I, I think you're going to see that same hunger. But the Anaheim Ducks have now, I, I imagine, going to match the hunger. I've always believed that the team that is down 3-2 in a series in Game 6 comes out with more desperation, more focus, because there's a, an end game. If they lose, it's done. The team that has the 3-2 lead coming in thinking, well, you know what, if we win tonight, great, but if we don't, we still have another chance. And you can tell right from the drop of the puck that the Oilers were the more focused team, more determined team, and the outcome was very indicative of the way the play went. You made a lot of good points there that I want to expand on, but I just want to go back to Kessler for a second and a conversation we had early in the series because we, we we watched games one and two together here at the 630 Jet Studio. I can't remember which game it was, but there was a line change between whistles, and I think it was Dreisaitl going off and Kessler was going off, and they were kind of crisscrossing, and Kessler did the whole, oh, I, I didn't realize he was in, I was in your way. Oh, I'm still in your way. Oh, I actually, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't saying anything. And I, I want you to expand on this, but I want to tell people what you said, because I said, you know, a guy like Kessler that for years has been going out there and annoying people and checking people and being a pest, I, you know, I said, what What are those guys like? Like, how do they get up for that every game? And I want you to expand on this because you said, Reed, those type of guys think it's hilarious. And I thought that was an interesting response. <laughs> well, they do. They they think it's funny. They think, 
uh, that's just there's so many players out there like that. Like a Steve Ott was like that. A Burroughs was like that. They think it's funny. They 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 enjoy it. They, it amuses them, and they think they're getting under your skin. And the best way to combat that is ignore them, because when you start showing emotion coming back, it just fuels them. They, they, then they're going back to the bench. Oh, did you see what he did there? Oh, I got him going. I'm in his head now. So if you just ignore him, it frustrates them. And I think that's what you've seen with Connor McDavid this series and with Dry Settle. They've just completely ignored the antics of a Kessler. And I mean, one of the reasons they're having success, especially a Dry Settle, is like, you know what? Do whatever you want to me. I don't care. Say whatever you want. I'm not listening. I'm just focused on winning hockey games. And now you're pushing it back on Kessler. And Kessler hasn't been as productive over the last little while because he's frustrated and you don't usually see a Ryan Kessler frustrated like that. I just love that you use the word hilarious because I know <laughs> guys do their jobs and, and you know guys have to check and be irritants but I'd always think like you'd still be like well I, well, I might get a penalty oh what if they want to fight me but like they're just laughing inside the whole time. That's well they are. <laughs> yeah, you watch when they're on the bench they got a big smile on their face. Some guys they just eat and breathe it. This is the way they're built and a Kessler's like that and it, it, it drives him. I don't think he could play any other way. And I'm sure when he plays golf, he's in the ear with the guy that he's playing against. Or when he plays tennis or plays cards with his kids, I'm sure he's trash-talking his kids during a card game. It's just within him. So uh, for the Oilers, you let players like that uh, be. Don't engage in them, and you win the battle because of it. Rob Brown joining us on Inside Sports tonight at 639. Leon Dry best game we've seen him play when the stakes were the highest, obviously, so that that was incredible. Rob, and that's been an ongoing theme. Someday Leon Dreisaitl is going to center his own line. And you know what? He could, he could be back on McDavid's wing, but but that flexibility and the the confidence and, and kind of the, the, the boldness he played with in that game to lead his own line. He made Lucic and Slepeshev uh, look pretty good as well. And that's that's a wild card for the Oilers is his his versatility, and it certainly showed the last... Yeah, I mean, even Game 5 when they lost, I thought it showed in that game too. Well, yeah. I mean, the Oilers have two stars on their team, and sometimes Leon gets lost in the shuffle. And you and I have talked about Leon a lot, and I remember it started at the beginning of last year when he was sent down and how disappointed I was because I'm a huge Leon fan. And then there was talks... You know, in the summer, do you trade a Leon Dreisaitl to get something on the back end? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This kid is going to be a superstar. You do not want to get rid of a superstar to shore up another position. You keep Leon Dreisaitl. He's too good. And what you have right now is you've got two guys out there that can dominate every shift. And, you know, the, the, the Ducks have a Ryan Getzlaff who is all world. But there's a drop-off after Ryan Getzlaff leaves the ice. The others have got Connor McDavid, and the Ducks are doing their best to keep him under control, and all the focus goes on him. Now you throw out Dreisaitl, and you've seen what Dreisaitl's done, not only in the playoffs against Anaheim, but all season long. He's built for playing playoff-style hockey. He's built for playing against teams that try to bully because of his size. And what I love about him is he's being the aggressor. There was a number of times that he's gone and thrown the big hit. And he's his size and his strength, it hurts when Leon Dreisaitl hits you. And he seems to, he's not, he's very not emotional a lot of the time, but when his emotions get going, when his fire gets going, he becomes unstoppable. And in game six, I don't care who they would have matched up against him across the National Hockey League. Leon Dreisaitl was not going to be denied, and 
I agree. He's a wild card that I don't think the Anaheim Ducks were expecting to be as good as he is at this age here in this series. Well, you know, and and they're both good teams, and I think it's a fine line. But, I mean, if I had to summarize it really quickly, I think the Ducks are a little deeper on D. I think the Oilers are a little deeper up front because the Ducks kind of go with two and a half lines and maybe another wild card. And a lot of people texted this in when I said the Oilers win tomorrow if if Nuge or Eberle or even Pouliot, you know, actually gets a goal. Uh, I mean, they've been around the net more the last couple of games. I think Eberle's first four games were, were pretty tough, obviously. But that's that's another thing, too. I mean, they're, this is the crazy thing, Rob. Eberle and Nugent Hopkins are 12 games into their playoff careers, and they haven't scored. And the team is one win away from the second round, from the third round. Well, you're right. And if you to take it a step further, you look at what the Ducks can throw at you from a third line. And as you said, I mean, they don't have a full third line because they go two and a half line. The Oilers' third line as of last game with Nugent Hopkins and, and Everly, they were they were first-line players for the Oilers here for a couple of years. So they've got the capabilities of being, you know, game changers. And they haven't been yet. But if they have a breakout game, and it, it's eventually got to happen, the talent of those two didn't dry up. They didn't all of a sudden forget how to score goals. And Everly scored 30 in this league. So it, it's going to happen. So, yeah, I agree. If that line scores then the Oilers are, are much closer to winning Game 7. And I don't think that the depth players of the Anaheim Ducks have that ability to scare you, as that line should be able to do. So, uh, to me, I agree with you. I think these two teams are, are so incredibly ma- evenly matched, and that's why they're going to Game 7. And when you get into a Game 7, I, I never, all my buddies say, who would you bet on? I never bet on hockey simply because a bad referee or a great goaltender can change the game no matter who outplays who. What it's going to come down to is willingness, uh, battle, and some lucky breaks. Whichever team gets the break, especially early in a hockey game, is going to have a much better chance of winning the game. But I, I do not count to the Oilers. I don't care if this game is in Anaheim and, where, and how good Anaheim comes out. The Edmonton Oilers have always risen to the occasion. They've got good goaltending, uh, a dynamite power play, and right now, their willingness to do all the little things is better than I've ever seen here in the 11 years that you and I have been working, or you and I have been around with this other team. Rob, just a couple more for you, and I just want to quickly mention uh, a few people have texted in comparing Ryan Kessler to Ken Linsman. Speaking of guys who like being irritating, that's probably... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> a... I agree. I think Kessler's a better offensive player. But yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a pretty cool comparison. I mean, if people for younger people, Ken Linsman's nickname was the Rat, so that uh, that's a pretty. <laughs> I played fair... against him, and he and he played like a rat. I guarantee he was like that. Uh, I think Kessler's a better hockey player, but Ken Linsman was incredibly effective in, in his NHL career. All right, uh, quickly here. I know this is kind of an older topic, but we didn't have you on the air. Uh, the goalie interference calls. Were you uh, confused, angry? Un- are you under- did you understand them? Where- what were you when you saw those? Well, it's funny because you and I, uh, we- we've seen a lot over the course of the year, and sometimes we say things that the Edmonton fans don't like to hear because I- I'm as partial as I can possibly be when it comes to what I see on the ice and talking about it after games. And if I believe that the Oilers, if something goes against the Oilers and I believe that's the right call, I will call it out, even if the fans don't like it. But the last two that have gone against the others, the Corey Perry one to me was simple. He, he affected the way Cam Talbot was going to stop the puck. 
That was so simple a call. I could not believe that that was uh, allowed to be a goal. He hit him. I don't care where he hit him. He hit him and didn't allow him to stop the puck. So that was a bad call. And then the one in game five, he's got his, Kessler's got his hand on the pad. And you see at one point Talbot try to get up, but his hand is holding his leg. I mean, I, I, I don't understand the rule anymore. I, I don't know if the, the NHL has to do something about it, say something about it, send people around to all the teams in the league. Because right now, when, if one of those happen, I wouldn't be able to tell you yes or no if it should be a goal. Because after seeing those two plays, I have no idea what goalie interference is anymore. And it's frustrating for, for, for us as fans. But I can tell you it's much, much more frustrating for the players in the game and the coaches in the game. Because what they're seeing, okay, it's no goal, obviously. He's holding his pad with his hand. And for it to be allowed now, the players and coaches have absolutely no idea what should or shouldn't be called. Yeah, that's a fair point for sure. All right, before I let you go, you played uh, 54 NHL playoff games. You won a championship in the uh, American Hockey League. Obviously, you had a great junior career. Do you have a top Game 7 memory? Um, trying to think. But I mean, the year that we won the Calder Cup in the American Hockey League, we faced, I think, seven uh, must-win situations. And, and we were 7-0 and that time. I remember the one, it wasn't back then we played our first round of the best of three. And we were in the third and final game. If we lost, we're out. Their best player had a breakaway in overtime. And if he scores, they win. He comes down, hits the post, the puck comes out, wide open net, rebound. And our goaltender, his name was Freddie Kasivi, was out of the play, dove back, and the tip of his stick deflected the puck that was being shot into an empty net up, hit the crossbar, and over the back end. We ended up coming back, winning that game and going on throughout the playoffs and winning the Calder Cup. So uh, to be a championship team, you need a break. You need a bounce. You need something lucky to go your way. We had it. So tomorrow night, we just need everyone get their rabbit feet out, get your lucky underwear on, your favorite sweater, whatever it takes, and hopefully a little luck coming from Edmonton will allow the Edmonton Oilers to move on to the next round. Right on. Rob, I'm glad you're back tomorrow night. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to watch the game with you with 18,000 other people at Rogers Place. I'll see you in about 24 hours, buddy. Sounds good. And if the Oilers win, maybe you and I can go body surfing through the orange truck. (laughs) There we go. There's a nice promise from Rob Brown, who joins us tonight on Inside Sports. All right, it's 648. 13 minutes left in the second period. Ottawa still up 2-0 on the Rangers as the Senators try to close out that series. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We're back in a couple of minutes. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shad and Oscar Clefbaum is expected to play tomorrow after being a late scratch in Game Six on Sunday. Of course, Andre Sekera, however, out for the series, so I'd expect the pairings to be Clefbaum, Larson. Russell, Benning, and then Nurse and Griba, and I would expect the forward lines 
to stay the same. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.53 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, a trade today. Dallas getting goaltender Ben Bishop from the Los Angeles Kings for a fourth-round draft pick. Bishop's going to be an unrestricted free agent July 1st, but I expect that uh, Dallas is going to sign him up. We'll have a little bit more on the Eskimos annual general meeting later on in the show. Tom Richards, by the way, becoming the first ex-player in the modern era to join the board of directors. The Eskimos reporting a profit of $1.4 million for 2016. And uh, FC Edmonton has a game tonight at Clark Park. It's the second leg of the two-game aggregate series against Ottawa in the Canadian Championship qualifying round. Ottawa coming in with a 1-0 lead. Tenth game seven in Oilers franchise history. They are 6-3 and three so far. 3-2 three and two on the road. They played their first... Uh, pardon me, they played four of their first five Game 7s at home. The last four have been uh, away. Obviously, they haven't played once since Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 06 when they lost 3-1 to uh, Carolina. Uh, Todd McClellan today, I had that Zach Cassian interview early on about him celebrating with the fan behind the glass in the spur of the moment after he scored the third goal on Sunday. Todd McClellan was asked what he thought about that. I think it's great. Um... You know, I listen to, I'm driving around getting groceries and stuff, and I'm listening to the talk shows and stuff like that, and you can't get away from it now. Uh, but the the passion in the city, the passion of the fan, the energy that, that happens not only outside of uh, the ice district, but all over the place is, is incredible. Um, and for the fans to share it, like that one fan or two or three fans did with Zach Cassian, it was personal. It was... Um, something I'm sure he'll remember and certainly they will um, I think that's great that's why we play the game um, you know and we want to keep that going as, as long as we can we, we want to have more moments like that here in Edmonton absolutely that's uh, Oilers head coach Todd McClellan another hockey note tonight kind of odd timing for this the uh, winter classic 2018 going to City Field in New York that's where the Mets play so New Year's Day 2018 is going to be the Sabres against the Rangers and it'll actually be the Sabres as the home team so the uh, Rangers don't lose a game at Madison Square Garden that's strange Ah, I've seen stranger things yeah (laughs) yeah Officiating this playoffs has been strange. Well, there, <laughs> there, there, there you go. There you go. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Uh, this texter says, Ken Lindsman could take the heat and the hits. Ryan Kessler can't. Uh, Vinny says, uh, Reed, can you give a shout-out for my sister, Tiana? She turned 17 today. Go Oilers. Well, happy birthday, Tiana. Are 17-year-old girls listening to Inside Sports? Well, Tiana, if you are, thank you. Did not expect that that might be a huge demographic for the program, but that's all right. Try to appeal to everybody. All right, here's what we're going to do. We've got to take a quick timeout for the 7 o'clock news. Kelly Rudy's going to join us. You'll hear from uh, former Eskimo Tom Richards as well about joining the uh, board of directors. A little bit more from Todd McClellan, including about how he looks at the line matches going into Game 7. You know, Todd has said in the past, sometimes it's easier for the visiting coach to control the line matches because he can put who well, he wants out, there, wants out there first and then uh, force the home team coach to maybe do something that he didn't want to do at that time. 
Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Still 2-0 Ottawa leading the Rangers. Eight and a half minutes left in the second period. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.